Interested in becoming a travel agent yourself and helping others plan their next Disney vacation? Interested in learning more about Surge 365? How to get paid to travel, make $1,000 bonuses, or just simply want to book your next Disney vacation with Disney professionals? Well, Dream Makers at Two Tickets to Paradise Travel are ready to help you make your wish come true. Contact travel at Two Tickets to Paradise.net. Don't dream your life. Live your dreams. Have an idea, question, or want to share your experiences on the show? Contact Nick and Dave anytime. Email them at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com. Text them at 407-674-0414. Follow Nick and Dave on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Simply search for Mousecapades Podcast. Listen to Nick and Dave on iTunes, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher Radio. Simply search for Mousecapades Podcast. Now, from the Mousecapades Studios, here are your hosts, Nick and Dave. On episode 14 of the Mousecapades Podcast, we'll be talking to my cousin, a transplant from the St. Louis area who now lives in Orlando, Florida. We're going to talk to him about what it's like to live that close to the magic and if his views have changed at all on anything Disney-related. Coming up next on the Mousecapade Podcast. But first, what do you have for us, Nick? Well, I don't have too much to report this week in the news, Dave. Uh, it's been kind of quiet. I mean, there are still some things going on about you know Nintendo coming to Universal. I know it's not a, a Disney thing, but... Uh, and pretty cool nonetheless if, if uh, you know Disney does go to Universal but you know we talked about this last week on the podcast about Pluto hurting that uh, little boy you know at Disney World they settled did you, you you read it millions of dollars no 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 TMZ reported on it and uh, they reported like a different total view of the actual story you know TMZ is all about the ratings and drama so of course they hyped up the drama that this little kid was hurt but there's news back out there a lot of people there's an outcry saying that uh this woman the mother totally coached her son into saying what he said on the youtube video clip and i have to totally agree you watched the video i watched the video it totally looks coached looks like there's just a woman trying to get money from disney and i gotta tell you it's super hard to sue disney disney's gonna win on this one yeah, that's a shocker. We knew that she was coached the day we saw the video, so there's no news there for, for us, for sure. But TMZ, 95% of the time is is correct in whatever they report. Regardless of what you think of them, they're always first to break the big news stories. So um, I, I would go with whatever they say. Yeah, but they hype things up a lot, too. So, Dave, I know you're going on vacation in late July to Disney World. Disney has come up with proposed dates as far as coming out with another 24-hour event. Now... The 24-hour event for Disney World is on July 17th, rumored, okay? Um, Are you going to be down there around that time? We will not, but we will be spending almost 24 hours in the park regardless because we're going to be going from extra magic hours. So we'll be at the park from 8 o'clock in the morning before the park even opens till 2 a.m. Yeah, I totally wish I was there for this 24-hour event. Now, I've never had the privilege to partake in a 24-hour event, but it'd be pretty cool. We're six hours short of 24 hours. All right, moving on. So, like I said, there's really not not much really going on in the Disney universe as far as, far as new news. Now, I do want to play a little game with you, buddy. Now, this is uh, Oh My Disney. 
and I get these emails every now and then, and I just want to play a little silly game with you. The pros and cons of being in an imaginary relationship with a Disney character. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, so I imagine you're probably already in a relationship with a Disney character, so if you are, then we can skip this. Yeah, don't tell my wife. Okay, all right. So here is a pro of being in a relationship with an imaginary Disney character. You always have a date. <laughs> Anytime you want to hit play. Yeah, you'll, <laughs> you'll always have a date. And here's a con. Haters be hating everywhere. So everyone's going to hate that relationship that you have. Just like in all the Disney movies. <laughs> Everyone hates them. All right, here's a pro. Potential arguments or, you know, zany mix-ups are resolved within an hour and a half. Yeah, that's right. And if, if I don't get my way, then I can just hit stop on the DVD. Yeah, so no no more of just walking out of the house and storming out. No, it's, it'll be resolved within an hour and a half, I promise. All right, here's a con. Meeting the parents can kind of get weird, right? In a lot of the Disney films, when you meet the parents, it's, it's kind of awkward. Yeah, always. Here's a pro. You can have couple sing-alongs. Of course, you already do that now, right? Of course. I know my wife and I do in the car all the time. So here's a con. You come from different worlds. But then I could sing that song and be a part of her world. <laughs> and then, right. the, then the pro meets con. <laughs> all right, here's a pro. You'll probably get a sweet soundtrack to your love story. Oh. I don't know about, you know, when I... When I'm in the mix of my love stories, I got some sweet background music playing. I'm thinking it's not Disney music. Boom. All right, <laughs> move along. And here's the last one, Dave. Here's a con. Okay, this is the last one. If you don't like the one outfit that they are always wearing, well, then you're just probably out of luck. Yeah, that's the truth. And that's it. Pros awesome. and cons to dating an imaginary Disney character. Awesome. I'll keep that in mind whenever I uh, engage with the Disney characters. All right, Dave. Great job, buddy. What do you got for us in history? Take us back. We're traveling backwards in time. Right now, we're leaving the world of today behind. So if your imagination is ready, here we go. So we're going to start something new with this week in Disney history and just pick three events from the upcoming week that you're going to be listening to. This week I chose three events. Uh, one of them is May 31st, 2008. This is when Buzz Lightyear takes flight on Discovery aboard the ISS. This is also celebrating that same day that Toy Story Midway Mania opens at Hollywood Studios. One of the best rides. Yeah, I've seen a YouTube clip of Buzz up in space, and I think that is the coolest thing ever. I would love to have that specific Buzz. Yeah, and that ride is fantastic. It's pretty much one of the only three reasons to go to Hollywood Studios these days almost. Yeah, I completely agree. The next event on our calendar here is June 4th of 1999. On this day, the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh takes over for Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Now, I don't know about you, but Mr. Toad's Wild Ride was one of my favorite rides as a kid uh, going to the parks. Seriously? Yeah, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. You, you had to read the books. I was in the Disney Book Club when I was a kid, so I got all the books, and he was he was one of my favorite books to read as a kid. I didn't like how I was being told that I was going to hell at the end of the ride. Uh, you didn't know as a kid that that was what you were doing. You just saw fire. Yeah. So, um, as kind of a uh, nod to the old Mr. Toad ride, if you look in the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh, you see Mr. Toad actually handing over a deed to the wise owl. So look for that the next time you're on the ride. 
Okay. It's in the queue, and then uh, kind of sticking with that, I always think about for the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh ride, the Heffalumps and Woozle song is one of my favorites. So uh, think of that on June 4th, 1999 is when this ride officially opened, the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. And then finally, this week in Disney history, June 5th of 1972. Here's another old school ride for you. This is one of my favorites as well. This is the day that If You Had Wings opened up. This ride was presented by Eastern Airlines, and it took you on a trip to many of the destinations that Eastern Airlines flew through. Uh, this ride was open through the 1980s. Uh, I don't have an exact closing date on it. Have you ever ridden this ride? I have not. So a couple of the highlights of this ride. First of all, the ride was set up so that they had all these projectors around the outside projecting images uh, of all of the different locations, and they had probably the second catchiest theme song in the Magic Kingdom uh, behind It's a Small World, and the, the, the uh, theme song will make sure that it's playing in the background as I do this week in this Disney history right now. Um, so you'll hear this theme song right now, but uh, some of the highlights, they took you on a journey and they, they showed video from Mexico City and of New Orleans and the Bahamas. Uh, one of the scenes that I can't forget about this ride is that they had a man, which looks like a police officer, but from a different country. He's out directing traffic, and then behind him they have all kinds of things like uh, pink flamingos running one direction, and he's waving them on. And then they have a marching band in the background on another scene going behind him as he's directing traffic. So uh, I can't forget about that. Like that scene sticks in my head if it, whenever I hear that, the words from If You Had Wings, I always see that. And then kind of at the end of the ride, they had a speed room. So this ride was driven by Omnimover. So you're in your Omnimover, and you go into this big room, and they have a speed tunnel, kind of like several of the attractions have nowadays, but this was like one of the pioneering speed rooms. And they had these huge fans blowing on you to make it feel like you were actually flying, and they had all on, on the scene around you in this tunnel, they had like a plane taking off or a speedboat race going on, so it made you feel like you were going 100 miles an hour. So that is the old ride, If You Had Wings, which opened up in this day, June 5th, 1972. And that's going to do it for If You Had Wings and This Week in Disney History. Outstanding. Okay, so up next we have Dave's cousin, and he's going to talk about... What it's like to live so close to the magic. A transplant from Troy, Illinois to Orlando, Florida. So joining us today, we have one of my personal guests. This is my cousin. His name's Doug. Uh, what's up, Doug? Hey, guys. How are you? So Doug's joining us today because he used to live here in the St. Louis area with us and uh, was uprooted a couple years ago. Doug, how long ago was that? Moved down here uh, uh, two and a half years ago. And so now Doug lives in the Orlando area, and uh, we're here to talk to him today about what life is like down there as opposed to just being a casual visitor to being somebody that can just get in their car and drive to the Magic Kingdom every day if they wanted to. Yeah, Dave, I, uh, I moved, like I said, moved down here a couple years ago, two and a half years ago. Uh, my family and I, as you know, were frequent visitors, uh, usually came down to Daytona Beach for the summer and tried to sneak over for at least one day of the parks. Um, very different from a, a visitor standpoint, from a resident standpoint, and the fact that when you go as a guest, you spend your entire day from you know 8 a.m. until close of the fireworks actually being on site so you really drag at the end of the day and, and being a dad as I know you are and you get to see the other side of it 
for being, you know, as a kid, you just go and ride along in all the attractions, but you got to get there early. You got to drive home late. Uh, so we almost consider ourselves a little bit snobby now as, as being residents on going to the parks more often. Yeah. So Doug and I, uh, went to the parks all the time well we went to daytona like he said every year as a kid and so as we get into the miles capades podcast episodes uh i started digging up some of my family history and i i've shared a, a few photos with doug and i in our diapers on the carousel and uh with our with our uh, short shorts in front of the Adventureland sign so uh so back in those days it was like we went from beginning to end and we were in a mad dash from the time the gates opened until after the fireworks, we would run all the way to the uh, to the ferry boat to take us home for the day. So um, much different different style these days with you, right, Doug? Yeah, my family and I, I got three young boys. Uh, moving down here was a nice change of pace and the fact that we kind of get to see a different side to the parks. Um, we pick and choose our times very carefully on when we actually get over but uh, we'll go over on a Monday night and we'll go over at, you know, six o'clock, seven o'clock at night during the summer when the kids are out of school. Uh, we'll kind of pick and choose the attractions we want to go to. And the magic bands have made it very nice where we can pre-plan our day. But ultimately, when everyone else is fighting for spots to get fireworks and when people are, are uh, you know, kind of winding down their days and the ferry boat and monorail leaving the park is much more uh, heavily trafficked than the uh, monorail going into the park. We're the ones actually going in trying to. Uh, we can get four or five rides. We can get a bunch of attractions done in probably an hour and a half or two hours. So that's been a really nice uh, little feature for us that we can just kind of utilize and capitalize our passes. We go over probably two or three times every month, a minimum, um, just when we have free time. It, it's a lot more family friendly and accessible when you go over for three or four hours than trying to do a whole day worth of activities. Hey, Doug, you ever get there and you're like, dang, tourists, get out of my place. Oh, um, you know, I... I as you know, I do work at Disney, and I'm always, I'm always fascinated. I'm a people watcher by nature, so whether it's work or whether it's uh, being there with my family, it definitely you kind of get to see the other side of Disney and the fact that there it is. It's it, it, I get a question, I get asked a lot. You know, uh, when is the best time to go? When is it not crowded? And the answer is, it's never not crowded. And sorry for my teacher friends, that's terrible English, but it's always crowded at Disney. You know, there are less crowded and then there's maniac crowded. I mean, there are times when you wait an hour and a half to get on an attraction at the People Mover, for example, that generally is a five minute wait, walk up the ramp and get on. So, again, you've got to be very selective with the times you go. And again, I like Disney, so I understand the the the, the appeal for everybody to want to go. But, yeah, I really would love to have the where I could ride on every attraction and we could be in and out of the park in half a day and do every single thing we want to do. Ultimately, we know that's not a realistic goal, though. Hey, Doug, you bring up different times of the park. You know, it's better to go during this time than that time. Now, living down on have you heard anything with Disney coming out with a, a tiered ticket system with the gold, the silver, and the bronze as far as when you can go to the parks and they're at reduced prices depending upon what package you get? Have you heard that down there? I have not heard anything about tier package pricing. Uh, you know, I think they're still trying to work out a lot of the bugs from the Magic Band. I still don't think they're 100% convinced that that's where they want it to be. Uh, I think it's a neat and innovative tool that I think has come a long way in helping the experience for everybody that goes to Disney. But ultimately, I still think that if it's not perfect, you and Dave both know that Disney doesn't want to use it or put it into place. So 
They're still trying to make it more user friendly to the people who are not resort guests. I think they're trying to make it um, more friendly for people who may not be as internet savvy. I know that's the direction the world is going, but I think it needs to be something that it becomes more perfect before they start on to the next advancement. Um, I definitely don't think it's a bad idea. Um, Disney has always proclaimed, even before I knew a little bit more about it than I did back in the day, it, they are still catering to a certain specific group of people. I know they want everybody to enjoy the park, but that's why the ticket prices keep going up is because they are trying to make sure that the people they get into the park either A, really want to go, or B, they kind of have a little bit of exclusivity on the clientele that gets in. So you don't think the prices are going up based on the new land that's going to Tokyo? Uh, I, I can't say for sure whether it's new land and going on in Tokyo, but, you know. I'm being sarcastic, of course. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I, I, but in actuality, you're being sarcastic. But, yeah, I mean, the fact that they are building all around the world does impact Orlando. And, I mean, if you look around, you go to Animal Kingdom and they've got the new Avatar Park being built. Uh, they've constantly got some type of new construction going up no matter what it is. And I've been told that's for two reasons. A, that they have no choice but to continue to expand every year. And B, they must expand in order or they're going to get killed on taxes every year. And, you know, they've got new construction projects going on constantly. They're constantly amending the resorts. They're making them bigger. They're making them more family friendly in some of the applications. So, you know, <clears throat> overall, you know, while they promote it very family friendly, which obviously it is, it, it's Magic Kingdom, it's Disney. They want everybody to enjoy it. You know, I, I think ultimately they're trying to make the experience more enjoyable for everybody. But unfortunately, they just cannot continue to accommodate crowds. That are, are coming through the gates, even on slow weeks. I, my wife and I spent some time down there the week before Thanksgiving going on 12 years ago. And there was next to nobody there on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And when I mean nobody, I mean we could hold hands and walk down Main Street, USA, and not come within 10 feet of touching anybody. And then Thursday rolled around for the holiday, and fortunately we had everything we wanted to do on those first three days because you couldn't move left or right without banging into three people. That's got to be a pretty amazing experience to be able to go into the parks, especially the Magic Kingdom, and have some room. I, I can only imagine. Uh, again, it, it's we are very spoiled when it comes to going to the parks, and we're very selective about the times we go. And, and for those people who have been there a lot, you know, you, you've got to pick and choose the times when you go to the park to maximize your experience. And you, you know, Animal Kingdom is probably something that you want to go to first thing in the morning. You know, the animals are more active. It's obviously cooler. It's very much the smaller side of the parks, you know, other than Kilimanjaro safaris and a couple of other things. They've got a minimal amount of attraction. So obviously it's going to be a more congested park. You want to get there, do what you want to do and get out of there as much as possible. Whereas <clears throat> Magic Kingdom has more ride experiences, more attractions. Epcot has more ride and attraction experiences. Um, so you just got to pick and choose and be smart with the way you set it up when you're thinking about your trip. All right, Doug, here you could probably help me out here. Um, I'm going on vacation here in just a couple of weeks to Disney World, and we have a four-day hopper pass. We're taking Wednesday off, so we're going to be there Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Now, I probably have this completely backwards, but what would be the best day? We're going to Hollywood Studios, I think Epcot one of the days, and then uh, Magic Kingdom, obviously, for two of the days. Actually, one of the days is split up with my wife and I, Magic Kingdom and Epcot. Now, this is what we got. We have Hollywood Studios on Monday. 
my wife and I are doing uh, Magic Kingdom in the morning and then Epcot in the afternoon on Tuesday, taking Wednesday off. Definitely going to hit up Ohana's for breakfast. On Thursday, we're hitting the Magic Kingdom, and Friday, we're hitting the Magic Kingdom. Do I have that completely backwards? What would you say about that? My recommendation would be is you probably got to move. Well, first and foremost, Nick, is if you're coming in the summertime, you got to realize it. You know, oh, yeah, this is, this is peak season. Yeah, you, you've got on time and you've got off time no matter when you're there. So in the summertime, you know, everybody's out of school, kids are out of school, people plan their vacations to be at Disney specifically. So ultimately, you know you're going during a peak time. I would suggest as to anybody, try to get to a Magic Kingdom on a Monday or a Tuesday. Obviously, Magic Kingdom is going to be your most popular of the parks you're going to go to. Um, during the summertime, you're going to get more flow, heavier amount of people. Everybody's going to want to be there. I would always suggest Monday, Tuesday, trying to get to the parks you want to get to like Magic Kingdom. Um, later on in the week, you might get a lot of uh, residents that maybe take a long weekend for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, And I know you're going to have the people that say, well, what if they take Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday? Well, again, you really don't know. It, from what I've seen, both walking on property and inside of the parks being there, Mondays are good days for Magic Kingdom. Tuesdays are good days for Magic Kingdom. And then you just kind of fill in the rest of the vacation the best you can with maybe what your um, Magic Band accessibility might be, what attractions you might be able to get into. Um, you know, my kids like Animal Kingdom a lot because they like things like Festival of the Lion King and they like the Nemo show. Well, if I'm only available getting into those on Thursday, then that's probably one of the days that I want to try to get over during my vacation to see those. Um, I'm just taking a chance that the attractions that I want to see are going to be available on the day I want to go. So that's really part of pre-planning an organization, too. Um, I, I ran into a family on a flight. I, I actually traveled, uh, was coming back from a location, sat next to a family that was coming to Orlando for vacation, and I started talking to them about Disney. And I mentioned magic bands and I asked if they were staying on property. And, you know, as most of our wives do, they're the ones that really organize and control. And, and the wife and the husband looked at me like I had a third head. They had no concept of what magic bands were. They had no concept of pre-planning the vacation. They were just going to go try to wing it. And in my oh. mind, I kind of thought to myself, that's got to be the this is going to be the longest week of their lives trying to stand by line or fast pass line with, with all these people coming to, to magic kingdom and Disney in general. So I've seen and heard both sides of the story on that. Yeah, good sad luck to that is, sad family, right? Yeah. I know the sad <laughs> thing is they're going to have such a horrible experience, not pre-planning. Uh, they might not come back. Who knows? You know, and you know, Doug, um, you know what you just told me here? I have a lot of reworking to do. I gotta, I gotta reschedule some fast passes and some dinner reservations. Well, Scott, uh, Dave and I had a, had, a, had a family member that came in town not more than two weeks ago. Unfortunately, he was able to get a lot of stuff pre-planned where he could get his vacation, you know, organized from, from a month prior. And I think people that are real Disney addicts, and obviously if you're on this podcast, you probably are a Disney addict in general, but they are thinking about Disney six months prior to actually being on site. So that first opportunity they have to set up and get everything pre-planned is all the better for them. You know, Dave and I had an experience back in the summer last year, October, I guess, when Dave was down here. You know, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train is if you were not a resort guest, you were not getting on Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Well, we were very fortunate to get there very, very early one morning. We ran ourselves through the park and we were able to get in the standby line. And what do you, what do you think, Dave? Maybe 10 minutes we waited in line? Yeah, it was pretty and fast. I was surprised how fast the line actually moved that morning. Right. And, and, you know, people that are listening to the podcast, as I said, are, are, are Disney fanatics. So they're going to be really adamant about setting up their fast passes. They're going to be adamant about using their magic bands. 
So their vacation is very much pre-planned. You don't find a lot of people that just say, oh, we got two weeks. Let's let's go to visit Disney because I think you're really going to have a bad experience. You know, if it's not pre-planned and organized and I, I'm not saying you got to be on a rigid schedule. That's why I think they have a lot of windows with the Magic Band. You have an hour to, to get to this or an hour to get to that or a certain amount of time to eat. But I think the experience is enlightened by being able to pre-plan it ahead of time and kind of have some sort of focus on it. Yeah, and it doesn't hurt that that family member you were talking about's girlfriend is actually a travel agent, so she kind of knew what was up to. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, really? So, I... hey, D- hey, Dave. Um, you know, thinking about you know, sometimes you you can get in. You just talked about an experience getting on the Seven Dwarfs ride. How many people did we have that year when we went out to the uh, marathon back in 2012? Uh, we ate at Ohana's. How many people did we have in our party? Let's see. Casey Lowe, you, me, yeah. Pam, Becky, Trish, uh, Craig. So there was eight of us, I think. And that was like total last minute, too. And you yeah. worked your magic, and you got us into breakfast. What did you call it, like the morning of? Yeah, it was uh, the day before on Marathon Weekend, so that's unheard of these days. I have no idea how that happened, but we just got lucky. You, really told them, you told them your name. Well, it's because your last name, uh, you know, ends in a vowel. That's why. Yeah. They only take reservations from people whose last names end in vowel yeah. on last minute. They were scared. They were scared. <laughs> I told them, I know a guy. I know a guy. Yeah, hey, and guy. Doug, I'm kind of right. disappointed in you. You didn't tell Nick that he needed to set up uh, and go to Animal Kingdom sometime after dark. Well, uh, that really requires a VIP pass. And, you know, I, I keep those pretty close to the vest when, when it comes to – when it comes to doing what I need to do, I, I, you know, I just don't, you know, Dave, you have connections. You, you have that, that crooked nose mob mentality kind of connections. I, I only have those to special circumstances. I'm scared of you. So. I just called him up and said, I'm making an offer that you can't refuse. What happens after? Wait a minute. Am I totally lost? Because Animal Kingdom is closed by like lunchtime, Nick. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so, um, so, Doug, what do you find yourself and your family doing these days now that you have this access daily, if you want, to the parks that you didn't do when you didn't, when you were still living in the St. Louis area? What do you find yourself doing now in or- when that you're close to the parks? Um, again, we're more selective with the times we go, obviously. Um, we, well, The first year we came down, we were all excited, um, very happy to have our year-round seasonal Disney passes. I'm sorry, year-round passes to Disney. And then we realized that because we didn't want to fight every single person that went into the park in the year, we kind of pared down our passes. So we actually only went with the seasonal passes, which actually locked us out of the park. I believe it's from June 1st until maybe August uh, 15th, give or take. And obviously, I understand why Disney does that. And, and we were able to benefit on that. And there was a huge cost savings. First of all, we get a we get a great deal as far as a resident price is concerned on a seasonal pass. And what most people spend in a week to go to Disney is probably what it costs us for a seasonal pass, which is why it's such a nice feature for us. Uh, so we've really pared down our, our ability to use those year-round passes to a seasonal pass. And again, this year we got a seasonal pass, but I think we're actually going to add the two water parks on as an option. Um, you can get it for probably the price of one day of going to the water park normally. You can add it on. And after one o'clock in the afternoon, you can get in it to either water park, either Typhoon Lagoon or Blizzard Beach. 
and go and enjoy that experience also. And as you know, with kids, after a couple hours you're at a water park, you're pretty zapped anyway. So being there from 10 o'clock in the morning until six o'clock at night is just not going to happen. So we have selectively chosen our times. We have become more, uh, we've become smarter with how we get to the park and what we do. And, you know, we go over either early in the morning or we'll go over at night and we'll spend a couple hours and come back versus the all day marathon style of park visiting that we used to do. Yeah, wise choice on those water parks, too, because I understand that uh, – Nick, I called Doug earlier today to set this up, and uh, I understand that Disney doesn't have any snakes swimming in their water parks. Uh, so <laughs> Doug had a couple of snakes in his pool today. <clears throat> I'm yeah, trying alligators to... or snakes? No, they were they were snakes, and uh, they were sizable <laughs> snakes, and, and I might just stay inside for the rest of the summer. I don't need to uh, – any, any, only good snake is a dead snake in my opinion, so – I'm just trying to come up with a creative way to start my own animal kingdom here at my house. There you go. 50,000 people coming to my front door paying $100 a day. I can show them a couple snakes and some hippos and some gators. I I got the permits. I can make that happen. Hey, just stay open past 4 p.m., would you? <laughs> so so living in Orlando, I guess, are snakes are snakes common? I've also heard that like they have the, the, the fattest roaches in Orlando, Florida. Is that true? Uh, we, we used to have a problem, I admit. We used to have that problem here in our home. We eventually got rid of some of the carpet in the house, got some some uh, tile floors, which really helped out. Um, you know, one of the things that really kind of freaks you out when you first start is is you walk up the, the sidewalk, you know, giant lizards and geckos. And, and giant, I mean, when we came from St. Louis, you never saw anything like that. So three or four or five-inch long geckos just running across your path, you know, you kind of stop your first couple steps when you get here. Um, snakes are pretty a common occurrence, you know, not to the point that you're worried about it. Or there's, n I've only heard of one instance that we had a poisonous snake, and it wasn't anywhere near. Uh, we're in a residential area, but a, a neighbor, a friend's dog, got bit by some type of poisonous snake and had to be taken to the vet and barely survived. So, uh, I tell my boys, you're gonna, if you're gonna leave the neighborhood, and you're gonna go near a lake. It better not be deeper than a puddle, because <laughs> you don't know what's gonna, you know. Two foot away from you, you don't know what's going to be there. But, yeah, frequently traveling around the highways, you see a lot of these retention ponds and a lot of these irrigation ponds where they have what look to be probably six, eight, ten-foot gators just kind of hanging out and, you know, living in these retention ponds. It's almost considered normal. So you go to the parks often with your family, Doug. Have you had an opportunity to sit down at the new viewing area in front of Cinderella's Castle, maybe for a picnic? I know you said you go, you know, typically in the mornings or in the evenings, maybe for like a brunch or, or a dinner. No, um, I've been by. I've seen it several times. Again, uh, since it's still a new attraction, everybody and their brother wants to go by and try to get into this viewing area. Uh, we were able to see them. We were able to know where they're located. I think it's a really cool idea because I think some of the experience, it'll take some of the pressure off of uh, the fireworks show at the end of the night. But again, you know, you're gonna, always going to find that family that's trying to save 20 spots. You know, two people are saving 20 spots while the other 18 are riding Pirates of the Caribbean. So they spread a blanket out on the hill and they sit and try to save all this space. And again, it's still a new attraction, so it's still one of the more popular things. That's if our family, wait, isn't it, Doug? Well, we, Dave, who would do that, Dave? That here, Dave, crazy. Dave, you sit here and we will all go ride the ride. Oh. You just tell everybody that these seats are saved. <laughs> That's that's another day, another podcast, and another show, Dave. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I want to hear it. Tell us the story, Doug. I'm not going to let you off the hook on this one. Tell us, tell us. One of my favorite stories, and I'll, I'll start out and Dave can rebuttal because I'm sure that we're wrong in this whole story. <laughs> but we, we set out on a Dave Matthews Band concert, Riverport Amphitheater, and 
Dave charges out across the hill and says, hey, I see a spot for us. He takes off and runs and the lights go out. And I guess it was probably four hours later, all the rest of us were together and Dave met us at the car. We missed him for every minute of the entire show. Dave was in the car for at least half the show because I felt like such an outcast sitting on the corner of the lawn at the uh, amphitheater that we were at. Like huddled up with the blanket just in the corner by myself. So I went and hung out on the car. <laughs> we, we've, had some, we've had some experiences. That was, that was the more mild of the experiences. Yeah, Doug and I have a vast experience of of running to places and saving seats and always setting up shop and telling everybody else that these seats are saved. So anyway, Doug, back to Disney. Um, Disney uh, Springs coming in now. Have you been had the opportunity to go down there and see anything yet? I have, and, and fortunately, we are doing some behind the scenes work at, at Disney Springs. Um, it's quite a production, and right now, from the outside, if you look at it from uh, Lake Buena Vista Drive there, right outside of downtown Disney. It, it's really, it's not a very user-friendly type of area. And when I say that, it's it's probably 20, 30 minutes to go from um, Lake Buena Vista Drive right there in downtown Disney just to find a parking spot at the garage. But really what they're doing is they're taking the, um, the extension of the Seven Seas Lake that comes all the way around downtown Disney there by Saratoga Springs and behind Planet Hollywood and behind Cirque du Soleil that lake is actually being diverted. And what they're trying to do is make it more of a, uh, an attraction for people. They're gonna try to make the water a little bit more uh, crystal. They're gonna try to filter that water, not like lake water. But essentially what they're doing is they're trying to divert that, kind of like a river walk or kind of like a moving stream would go through downtown Disney. Uh, so really behind the scenes of places like Planet Hollywood where I've been, you kind of get to see the development. It was very, very early where they just had earth movers, dirt movers, and people you know pulling up old pipe and it was very interesting to see some of the things that were just kind of buried there that they had to divert and, you know, ways that they're now cementing in all these places. But right now it's a significant hassle because of the limited amount of parking. And although the new parking garage is really cool, if you guys haven't had a chance to experience it, um, even Disney takes a parking garage to new technological ways. <laughs> and, um but right now it's a disaster just getting on there finding out where you're going but i think ultimate project's done and everybody kind of gets to walk and become more of a, a foot traffic type of operation i think they're really going to see the neat experience that, that that provides yeah that's one of the things i can't wait to get to see this summer when we get down there so um keep looking at that it must be a treat to kind of see that taking shape every day as you drive to work it is. Um, you know, the parking garage, as I mentioned earlier, it went up and that was completed about uh, four or five months ago. You know, it, it's really cool that you can pull in a parking lot and, you know, everybody's been in a mall parking shopping where you're driving and looking for that nearest space and all that. If you drive through the parking lot at downtown Disney, it'll actually tell you how many spaces are available in that row. So, you know, even Disney takes the smallest things and really makes it cool because they've innovated uh, uh, something that was inconvenient as to finding a parking spot and making it nice and easy. But yeah, the, the transition of what downtown Disney used to be to what it's going to become is really cool. Awesome. Well, Doug, thanks a lot for joining us today. Uh, thank you for saving all of those embarrassing stories of me. And uh, uh, maybe Nick will have you on sometime and tell those stories. But uh, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, and kind of want to hear them. Yeah, kind of telling us what it's like to uh, live life as an Orlandian. Is that what they call you? I don't, I'm a Midwesterner. I just happen to live in Orlando. I'm, I'm in St. Louis. I just happen to live in Orlando. So you're just taking one long vacation. 
I say, just give me a little time. I'm, I'm waiting for everybody else to follow me down here. I've got a spot safe for Dave at the Haunted Mansion to walk backwards on the uh, on the walking escalator as soon as his teaching career is over. Hey, and you know what? I'll even sleep out in the pool room with snakes. <laughs> when you guys are done molding young minds, I'm sure we can find a spot for you down here. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, thanks a lot, Doug. Thanks, Bye, buddy. Bye. Peace.